we simply cannot allow people to pour into the United States undetected, undocumented, unchecked. And complete the dang fence. This bill that we will sign today is not a revolutionary bill. Cast down your bucket where you are. We come from France. And I am, you know, adamantly against illegal immigrants. They're coming in by the thousands. Just unbelievable. A wall is an immorality. Who are you rooting for? Those masters of the universe are at it again. It's Christmas, Theo. It's the time of miracles, so be of good cheer. Welcome to Parsing Immigration Policy, the podcast of the Center for Immigration Studies. My name is Mark Krikorian, Executive Director of the Center. And today we're going to be talking about a book and a subject that's not specifically strictly immigration, but closely related to immigration. And this is the issue of Hispanic American voters and their policy preferences and their voting patterns and that sort of thing. And this is a very timely topic because we have on the podcast today, Jim Robb, who is the author of a very recent book called Political Migrants, Hispanic Voters on the Move, where he takes a deep dive into what is happening politically with the preferences and voting behavior of, as the subhead says, how America's largest minority is flipping conventional wisdom on its head. So, Jim, thanks for coming in. And first of all, just what prompted you to write this book? Well, thanks for having me, Mark. For about seven or eight years, I've been following this matter of Hispanic voting preference very carefully. Came across it accidentally when we were doing polling with Kellyanne Conway, who later, of course, became such a famous star in the Trump White House. Before that, as you know, she was polling Mm -hmm. for a lot of grassroots groups and some industry stuff. Her specialty was really polling on women's opinions, but she had a sort of subspecialty or another specialty in political type polling. So she was polling for Numbers USA. Which is where you work. Which is where I work. I didn't get that in. Oh, right. yeah. <laughs> Numbers USA, only for the last 26 years right. that I worked there. So she was polling for us and trying to find out the opinions of Americans on immigration matters. And one of her subgroups was Hispanic voters. And it's the first time I'd seen them broken out. Hmm. And like all of us, I had been hearing from the left that Hispanics cared about one thing, and that is getting more and more <laughs> immigrants and Hispanics into America. And I don't know if I'd given much thought to it, but I saw this polling breakout, and I saw that actually Hispanics in her poll were not that different than the rest of Americans. That is, opposing illegal immigration, wanting more enforcement, and favoring generally lower immigration numbers. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, this is different. So she did more polling for us after the election of Donald Trump. Well, she stopped polling, and we went with Rasmussen reports for our polling. And I asked them to lean into that, into this Hispanic thing. So we've been oversampling them for, for a number of years. So ongoing surveys. In other words, you're asking the same questions That's right. over time. That's right. And... As a part of our ongoing surveying about immigration opinions amongst the American voters, that Rasmussen interviews about 3,000 Hispanics a year. Mm-hmm. They poll about 3,000 a year. 
And these are all Hispanic likely voters. So these are U.S. citizens who vote in at least half of federal elections. That's how you get to be a likely voter with Rasmussen. Interesting. So they tell them, here's how many people come in legally into the United States each year as an immigrant. It's about a million, as we know. And it says, well, here are some numbers that you could set your own level. Right. Quarter million, half million, three quarters, million, million and a half, two million or more. Right. What number? Well, Americans always choose a lower number. Mm-hmm. Not, not every single one, but it's like two thirds do. Right. And ask for immigration cuts once they know the numbers. And the amazing thing is Hispanics also ask for cuts in legal numbers. Interesting. Every time. That's true, not just for Hispanics at at large, but also for even Democrats who are Hispanics. A majority want immigration cuts. Really? Interesting. And they want E-Verify by high numbers and all this stuff. Okay, so I got interested enough in this topic that I felt that there was a big political misfire going on. Because the Democratic Party, maybe around 15 years ago, you can put your own number in moved left on immigration. Mm -hmm. And I think their calculus was, if we go left on immigration, we may alienate some white working class people, but we're going to get the loyalty of the Hispanics forever. Mm -hmm. Sure enough, they alienated nearly the entire white working class, not just with immigration stuff, but trade and Sure. And some of these social topics that are so famous now. Right. All of that's part of a package. But the most famous and most prominent one around the time that Trump came to the fore was immigration. Right. But they figured they'd make it up on this new group, which is the largest minority now in the country. There are now 62 million Hispanics in, in America as of 2020 census. Mm-hmm. But they, they blew it on that one because... Of the 62 million Hispanics, two-thirds are actually born in this country. And 8 million more were immigrants, but later got their U.S. citizenship. So as I write in the book, these are Americans now. Mm -hmm. Like other Americans, they don't see a future being that beneficial to have more and more immigration all the time, and certainly not from illegal sources. Right. So they poll pretty much like other Americans do. So as I write... In political migrants, Hispanic voters on the move, I say that Democrats try to lock in a new working class. Mm -hmm. But in effect, they've really lost one, which is the white working class, through that calculus and are on their way to losing a second one. Interesting. Interesting. You've sort of described the argument you made in the book. Are there just like one or two things before we get to the election that I want to talk about, too? One or two things from the book that really sort of stand out that people would want to know. The book called Political Migrants, Hispanic Voters on the Move, available at Amazon and elsewhere. Yeah. In the book, first I talk about some of my own history of how I discovered this political calculation and how I felt that Democrats especially are missing out and have misjudged and Republicans are reaping the rewards. I talk about some of the Democratic Party wise heads from the Clinton era. Mm-hmm. like Rui Teixeira and Mark Penn, who have been warning Democrats that they've missed the boat with Hispanics because Hispanics don't want wide-open immigration and they don't want really left-leaning or far-left-leaning social policies either. 
Now, the ironic thing is Roy Teixeira authored kind of the book that this is an answer to, and not not specifically, but in general. He was the one co-author of the emerging Democratic majority. Is that what it was? Where basically they were making the case that immigration would mean Democrats would rule forever. But as often happens, the impression of that book was different from the actual book. He's subsequently said some of the things you're mentioning here that he was talking about a more pro-worker democratic message is what would help solidify a democratic majority along with immigration. And instead, they seem to have an anti-worker message, which the Republicans are benefiting from. He says in the book, which apparently nobody has read, but everyone quotes from. (laughs) But in the book, he says, if Democrats stick to moderately liberal Mm -hmm. policies. Right. And they manage to maintain a majority or close to majority of the white working class. Then, in that case, the growing numbers of Hispanics and Asians moving into the country should, all this together, turn into a enduring winning coalition that should keep them in power. But he later said that, well, they, they blew it on like every case. At mm-hmm. first, they didn't stay with moderately liberal policies. They went with far left policies. So he's right. very critical of that. Secondly, he says that they didn't keep even half of the white working class. Right. That was a problem. So he says that as a result, instead of having a durable Democratic majority, that it's looking more like Republicans are going to do the same trick. Interesting. Unless they screw it up, which is always possible, too. Right. Always the most likely that a political party will will screw up. I say in America's opposite of Europe. Europe has unstable political parties and stable ideologies. Mm -hmm. In America, we have unstable ideologies and stable political parties. And what that means on the ground is that the parties have to shift ideologically if they want to keep having half the votes, at least. Right, right. No one's saying, oh, let's just have a new party. And people are always saying it, but it never works out here. Right, right. So that's why nobody's ever going to corner the this or that forever. And that's a hope. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing. Right. Right. So the Hispanics, like Hispanics were never in the Democratic pocket as as people think. I mean, one thing I talk about in the books, I compare the black experience in America with the Hispanic experience. And I, I note that. One of the places of bad analysis politically is that they talk about the rainbow coalition and it's the Hispanics and the Asians and the blacks as if these were all similar groups, but they're not. Blacks have had a several hundred year record of being abused and persecuted in this country. And a lot of how they behave politically in voting more together is a reaction to that. Right. It's, it's like it. If one thing they've learned is that they don't stick together, they have no voice. Right. So maybe they overlearned the lesson, but it's a lesson they've learned through a hard experience. Hispanics, on the other hand, were by the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo that brought all the Mexican, former Mexican territory of the U.S. into United States control. That treaty gave every Mexican national in the U.S., U.S. citizenship, automatic. Mm -hmm. So they've always been able to vote in this country, and there's not been a real widespread systematic effort to deny them vote 
property rights, intermarriage. There's been no Hispanic slavery, obviously. So instead, the experience has been, please come and work in America. Right. And so it's been almost the opposite experience that blacks have had. So any advantage the Democrats have had have been more of the advantage that Democrats have had with most newly arrived immigrant groups. Right. One thing, as I point out in my book, that most people don't know is there were very few Hispanics in America up till about 60 years ago. Right, right. One reason the Mexicans lost control of all the land in what's now the United States is they weren't able to populate it, Mm -hmm. mostly because of hostile Indians. Right. There were some other reasons. There was no infrastructure at all and... Pickings were pretty easy down in Mexico. They had roads and it was just easier to stay down there. So Mexicans came in as farm workers off and on, starting mostly in the 20th century, but that was on again, off again. It wasn't really until the 1960s that a meaningful, large number of Hispanic immigrants started coming in. So as a result, the political history of Hispanics in America is pretty slim. Not that much happened outside border areas, places like Robredo that have had towns and voting for, you know, a couple of hundred years. Right. So they were kind of up for grabs. Like most people who are, have Hispanic surnames or have Hispanic heritage in this country are from people who've arrived in the last 60 years or so. Right. And so like new immigrant groups, they started off Democratic. Democrats got the most stuff. They work the hardest. They've got the best operation to sign up people to vote, get them out to the polls, friendly to immigrants. But as with other groups like Italian-Americans, that shtick sort of wore off and people, as they were here longer, began to say, well, which party sort of represents my values? And just like other immigrant groups in the past, the Hispanics have begun to sort of separate into people who are naturally conservative and or naturally liberal. Right. In other words, vote more like the rest of the population right. kind of. Yeah. There's obviously been a lot of talk about this, especially since Myra Flores won a special election back in the summer. Yeah. And she lost the general election because the district had been redrawn, but when that happened, my sense is that a lot of Republicans sort of imagined that the political migration that you write about was completed. In other words, it was a it was an event that happened and now it's done rather than kind of an evolutionary process that really was still just beginning. That's right. We're in the early stages. Right. And so what do the elections in November, the midterm elections, which were disappointing for a lot of Republicans in a lot of ways, does this political migration, as it were, can you still see it in there? Or was this was that just a blip and now it's over? It was stronger. The results of Hispanics voting Republican was stronger than anticipated in a lot of ways. The Rasmussen polling that we did, especially for my book, Political Migrants, a poll that was done in April and May of this year, mm-hmm. had anticipated that 41% of Hispanics would vote for Republican. In, in the midterms in that the were mid-terms. coming up. Yeah. That's right. But then the Dodd decision was released, overturning Roe v. Wade. Mm-hmm. So I then expected that was going to pull back a little bit because it pulled back all the voters a little bit. That it would be lower, in other words. Yes, yeah, a okay. little bit lower. I expected that. So my final guess was the high 30s. Right. And 
the media's exit polling said 39% of Hispanics voted Republican this mm-hmm. time, which is equals the highest level ever mm-hmm. in a midterm election for Hispanics. Right. But that even undersells what happened because in specific localized places, it was much higher than that. Hmm. Uh, the biggest example, of course, is Florida. Right where 58% of Hispanics voted for DeSantis, including, according to the media exit poll, 56% of the Puerto Ricans of Florida, which is, this is the amazing thing, right? So everyone's dismissing what happened in Florida, or rather a lot of people are saying, well, it's the Cubans, they're conservative. But the Puerto Ricans are a traditionally very democratic and liberal group, Mm -hmm. but a strong majority of them voted for DeSantis as well. Interesting. And there's new stuff happening all the time, all over the place, right? And you can't keep up with all of it. So it's usually when things hit a tipping point that people really have a something that jogs in the memory that sticks. You mean for voters? For or, anything. Okay. Anything has to hit a tipping point, right. right? Right. It's like, well, I'll pay attention when a majority votes Republican. Sure. Because well, we're in the beginning of a process. It's going to be a while till that happens. Mm-hmm. But in one place it happened, and in a very big place, right, with DeSantis, who's probably even a better position than Trump to get the nomination for president for the next election, at least as, as I'm reading the tea leaves. Right. And it's in part because he not only won re-election, but he won it by 19 going on 20 points mm-hmm. and brought his minorities with him. Didn't bring the black vote, but he got more than has been done for a while down in Florida. And to bring the Hispanics with you, wow, now that's something. The majority of them, yeah. The majority. Right. Now, how about Arizona? Well, there's a couple of exit polls, um, including one we ran down there. But one exit poll, the media's exit poll, shows Hispanics voting 47% for Lake for governor. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think the other one, which is AP VoteCast, said 42%. But either right. one, these right. are in the mid-40s. These are high numbers. And the reason she didn't win in the end, she only got 50% of the whites. Interesting. Right. So this really changes everything because in the calculus, I'm using that word a lot today, in the calculus of political fixers, Republicans especially, they're thinking, well, we have to get this overwhelming majority of non-Hispanic whites to balance off getting almost no blacks and getting just creamed amongst the Hispanics. Mm -hmm. And there's so many more Hispanics coming into the country. Can we stay ahead of it? Right. That's the calculus. Right. And that's what the basis of that 2012 autopsy they did after Romney's defeat. That's right. Right. Yeah. I talk about that in the book, how Mm -hmm. that happened and and how Roy Beck and and I were at RNC headquarters. At that time, and we were, uh, well, after that time, but we were arguing with Ryan's Priebus about that. Right. And the interpretation of that. And so I remember they were constantly saying, and this is Bush was saying this too, George W. Bush, if we don't get 40% of the Hispanic vote, we'll never win. And the way to do that is to push amnesty and increased immigration. So what we're seeing is candidates who were not pushing amnesty and increased immigration, often the very opposite of that, actually got more than 40% in a lot of big cases. That's right. I mean, I just talked about Arizona and Florida, but Governor Abbott down in Texas got 40%. Mm -hmm. Kemp in Georgia got in the mid-40s. 
And there's more Hispanics in Georgia than people think. I mean, it's no, become yeah, one I think of the it's top percent. Immig- become one of the top immigration states in the country now. Right. So I've seemed like I've had this argument over and over again. People saying that Hispanics are moving in so fast that it's going to overwhelm the assimilation effect. My fellow policy people weren't so much denying that assimilation will tend to make the assimilated population, the assimilated people who've been here two or three generations, vote more like other Americans. They said, but it's coming in so fast, that's going to retard the assimilation and maybe even make it impossible. Right. And actually, I expected to see that myself when I started the research. But that's not what we see. America is a powerful, powerful culture. And people aren't coming here to think like the old country. Right. And I have heard a lot of people talk about how socialist Mexico is and et cetera, et cetera. But I don't think people, once they get here and get a little taste of uh, the American way, they leave that behind. Now, we're just talking in the almost nationally just hitting 40%. That means a more conservative area is higher. Right. But what's the trajectory? Four years ago, it was like 29% voted Republican. That was in a Democratic year. Right. So this is in a more Republican climate, got up to near 40%, higher than that some places. Is it just going to go up and down? Here's another argument. Is Hispanic voting going to go from 40% at the high point, 42% down to mid-20s and just up and down in right. that range? If that's true, then as Hispanics become higher and higher as a percentage of our overall U.S. population— the the overall climate will get more and more democratic. Right, right. But I don't anticipate that. I anticipate that this is more like a group of Italian Americans. So Italian Americans who mostly had gotten to this country by 1924, that was about the end of that right. large-scale immigration when the Great Wave ended. Right. And in the 1930s, they were one of the most democratic groups. Mm-hmm. Not for any particular reason. Well, they were Catholic, so Catholics were a little more democratic, right? Right. And they were a new immigrant group. They're usually always more, a little more. And they were in big cities, too, so big that cities. shapes some There of were it. reasons. Right. But there was a poll by, was it Vox? About 2018 of various ethnic groups. Well, it was just a big poll, but it asked them what their ethnicity of origin was. Mm-hmm. And Americans. And and. They found out that the two most Republican ethnicities in America were German Americans, no surprise there, I guess, and Italian Americans. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So you can kind of see the trajectory as Nixon with the Vietnam War protests, that and the inner city riots that happened in the mid sixties. Well, you know, there's a lot of Italian police officers up in New York. Right. And you see how some of them flaked off starting then. And then Reagan got a whole bunch more of them. Right. And then Trump kind of mopped up the field, got the rest. Interesting. And so it's not that every Italian-American person is conservative. It's just that. Well, Nancy Pelosi's not. <laughs> she's not. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just that on average, the suburban-dwelling Italian-American big happy family person is going to vote Republican, apparently, in this country. And I just think that the Hispanic Hispanics are on a trajectory that's going to go there. Interesting. And, and I don't think there's much the Democrats or the Republicans can do unless the Democrats want to take another look at their immigration positions. Because 
I guess the way I've been talking, and this is a natural thing, it has nothing to do with policy, but it does have everything to do with policy because Hispanics, they're not especially conservative, but they're as conservative as other Americans are conservative. Right. And some of this socially liberal stuff that Democrats have been very much in love with in the last 10 years is a turnoff mm-hmm. on average. And open borders are a turnoff. And our polling, well, we haven't talked about our exit poll. Okay. So this is not in the book. This is the exit polling right. you did after the midterms. That's what did, right. What did that show? So we had Rasmussen start the night of the election calling millions of phones and getting enough people to make up a Hispanic-only poll. Mm-hmm. And so these are not Hispanic-likely voters. These are the voters in the midterm elections. After they voted. After they voted. Right. And we sort of truthed up the results, made sure these were the right results for the election. And, well, we got a group that was 40% had voted Republican. Right. Then we asked a series of immigration questions that were our usual standard questions. And, Mark, you see reams of polling. Right. And you know that there's some groups that use polling that's kind of semi-dishonest. It's pushy. It's trying to get people. It's manipulate them into a certain answer. We don't do that. We take no part in anything like that. I want to find out what people Actually think, think right. Yeah. So we ask them a question like, how would you rate the Biden administration's handling of the issue of illegal immigration? Mm-hmm. We say, excellent, good, fair, poor, not sure. Well, Hispanics, 44% said poor, hmm. and another 21% said fair. So that's the next worst one. So right. that's a total of 65%. That's two-thirds of Hispanics who voted think Biden's done a terrible job. And what's interesting is, of the Democrats in our poll, mm-hmm. It was 53% said fair or poor. Or poor. Wow. Okay. Interesting. So huh. they're not easy on them either. And here's, here's a really good question. On the question of illegal immigration, is the government doing too much or too little to reduce illegal border crossings and visitor overstays? Yeah. See, so that gets to the actual substance of the policy because mm-hmm. that first question, they might think, well, you need to have more illegal immigrants come in or something oh, well, like that. Well, that's right. right. Okay. So what did they say as to good job or bad job on controlling Well, so we did the good job or bad job. So this is the too little or, or, or. Oh, okay. Right? Okay. So is the government doing too little or too much to stop it, right? Right. So 57% said too little. Wow. And only 16% said too much. So this is Hispanic voters. Hispanic voters. A day or two or three before they were polled. Right. Wow. That's right. Wow. I mean, most cases, the, the poll was done by the next morning. Oh, okay. So it they right got after Yeah. They they, no, it was, it was the evening. Wow. They voted or they had voted by early by mail. Or right, whatever. right. But they sure. voted, they come home, they get a call. And like most pollsters, they're bouncing it off with some online stuff. But anyway, of the Democrats answering that question, 49% said the government's doing too little and only 15% said it's doing too much. Interesting. How about some more specific questions? This is one that the Rasmussen people thought we should ask. In trying to control illegal immigration, how important is it to greatly increase the physical barriers, such as walls and fencing on the U.S. border with Mexico? To okay. greatly, how important is it to greatly increase it? Okay, very important. All Hispanic voters in this election, 47% said wow. it's very important to greatly increase it. And another 19% said it's somewhat important. 
So the people who said it was important, 66%, two-thirds. So two-thirds basically were saying build the wall. Yeah. And how about the Democrats who were asked? And it's 56% said it's either very important or somewhat important. It's almost as high. Right, right. It's just like, oh, yeah, we please stop it. Interesting. Stop. How about e-verify? Okay. So in trying to control illegal immigration, should the government mandate that all employers use the federal electronic e-verify system to help ensure that they hire only legal workers for U.S. jobs? The Hispanic voters in the midterm, 64% said yes. Okay. Manda- Two mandate. thirds again. Two thirds again. Right. Only 25% said no. Mm-hmm. Of the Democrats. I'm just bringing them out for obvious reasons. So this is Hispanic Democrats. Hispanic Democrats who actually voted for Democrats in the the midterms. 61% said yes, mandatory, E-Verify. Only 30% said no, two to one. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, So it's like there's no group. Chain migration. We asked a chain migration question. When people legally immigrate to the U.S., should they bring only the spouse and minor children or should they also bring some extended family eventually in a mm-hmm. process known as chain migration. And Hispanics said 58% said only spouse and minor children. Okay. Wow. 33% said do it the other way. Democrats, even Democrats, 50% said only spouse and minor children. Just 39% said do it the way we're doing it today. Right, right. And one more question. The one that I love the most is what's the level of legal immigration? And I like this question, especially with Hispanics, because there's always this illegal, bad, legal Legal, good. Right, right. And then we have even many Republican columnists who say we want to smash out these nasty, terrible, illegal immigrants so that we can open the big, beautiful door, as Trump put it, and have huge armies of people coming in, ever more people. So is that what Hispanics want? No. Current federal policy adds about one million new permanent immigrants to the U.S. each year which is closest to the level of new permanent immigrants the government should be adding each year. Fewer than 250,000, 500,000, 750,000, 1 million, 1.5 million, or more than 2 million. Okay. 36% of Hispanics who voted said less than 250,000, and another 14% said 500,000, and 12% said 750,000. Add those together— and you get more than 60% of Hispanics who voted want to cut legal immigration. Interesting. Interesting. How many wanted to increase legal immigration? Only 13%. And it seems to me when you do it this way, you tell people what the number is. Right. And then you give them choices of what number to pick. That, it strikes me as more likely to get at what people actually think than the way Gallup always does this, because Gallup does polling constantly on this for years, yes. and it's just more, less, or the same. People don't know how much there is, yeah, so yeah. it's a lot of people tend to want to pick the middle question when there's no context. Right, exactly. And context is everything in things like this. Right, right. Right? So, I mean, in my view, this is the easiest poll to replicate in history, because all you have to do is go talk to your friends and just say, look, here's the number of immigrants we bring in a year, and here's the choices of how many we could bring in. Say, if it right. were you, how many would you bring in? Everyone can replicate these findings because Americans want less immigration. That doesn't mean they want no immigration, mm-hmm. and no one's calling for no immigration. Right. People are just wanting just a little bit less, according to 
how they think. And Hispanics are just like other Americans, wanting a little bit less. They feel that wages are low enough and housing. Was it you, Mark, in the center or is it someone else? I, I just saw this incredible statistic that with Biden, more illegal immigrants have gotten into the country since Biden has been in office than there have been housing starts. No, I don't know. That wasn't me. I didn't, but I'm not yeah, sure. I that, need to run that down, make that's sure that's true. But it's right. how many illegals have come in uh, or people who are applying for Right. They're still illegal. Asylum. It's They're something illegal. like a million and a half that have actually been released into the country. Well, And then there's another million who are probably gotaways. Okay, putting those two numbers together, two that and a half, might, something like two and a half million. Yeah, I mean, like we that. don't have that many housing starts. I mean, right. maybe a little over a million a year, right? So I'm not it's, sure. Yeah, so it's like, well, I mean, there's a pretty much of a consensus that America doesn't have enough housing, and that's why we've got a terrible inflation on housing prices right. that we see around here in Washington, but most major cities. And if we're bringing in more illegal immigrants than we are building new structures, of course, it's only going to get worse. And this is one of the practical reasons we'd want to have limits. I mean, why do we care? I mean, if you you read stuff in the business press, it's like, oh, only the only effect of more people coming into the country will be to to get enough workers for all those jobs. And it's a everyone. It's a win win situation. But yeah, you know, but it's not really. Yeah. Mm -hmm. My last question I want to ask, and this is about the reception of this idea of you know, Hispanics moving toward the Republican Party. There was a mm-hmm. lot of what you might call irrational exuberance about it before the election. Mm-hmm. And then the election was disappointing, although, as you pointed out, the migration of Hispanics continued. But, you know, in South Texas, for instance, the Congresswoman Myra Flores, who won a special election that was very ballyhooed, the Republicans were making a big deal of it, she didn't win the regular election because the district had been redrawn. Everybody kind of expected that. But one of the Mexican-American women Republican candidates down there did win. My question is, have you sensed or get the impression from whether it's politicians or political actors or writers or whatever that there's kind of a hangover from that irrational exuberance and they're now going the other way and saying, oh my God, In other words, they first thought, well, Hispanics have all moved in our direction. And now that they're disappointed in the results, oh, well, I guess that never happened. You see what I mean? Yeah, I do see what you mean. But no one had predicted more than 40% nationwide. Right. The poll that's in my book of 41%, which I personally backed off mentally a little bit from that because of the Dodd decision, was sort of the high point of predictions. Mm -hmm. And though there were two major polls that came out, the USA Today poll that did with Suffolk University did predict 40% in okay. the last couple of weeks before the election. Right. So there were a couple of other polls that got in the neighborhood of what my Rasmussen polling had. And I was relieved to see it because I said, well, if I'm wrong, at least I'm going to be wrong with others. Right. And it turned out to be just about that. Right. So, well, there's always an idea that whatever the new thing is, is going to save us. Right? right. I carry no brief for the Republicans, just like anything else, if you want to win an election, you've got to bring an awful lot of groups to the table and you've got to be right on a whole lot of things. And you can't turn marginal voters off and independents. In the midterms, the Republicans lost the independent vote narrowly. Right. And if they had wanted to win the election, they should have paid more attention to 
the messaging that independents were hearing and worked harder for the independent voters. So in other words, you haven't sensed the reaction that this Hispanic stuff didn't work out for us and that's why we lost. Because no, it doesn't seem to be the case. No, I think, that, right. well, I think it's more like, oh, that didn't save us. Yeah. No, no, no one thing is going to save you. Save you. Yeah. And that's why I'm saying you have to do a lot of things right. Mm-hmm. But I think there is a chance if Democrats don't wise up. And my recommendation to the Democratic Party is wise up. It's not that hard. Because that was interesting in the book. You had recommendations both for the Republicans and for the Democrats about how to handle Hispanic voters. Yeah. I mean, Hispanics are sensitive on the issue of crime. They're Mm -hmm. a law and order group as voters. Mm -hmm. And like a lot of groups that have just sort of escaped poverty and are just getting established, law and order is where it's at, right? To be able to continue your trajectory of success. And Democrats have sent some bad signals on that. and. Also, Hispanics, one thing in our polling for my book, Rasmussen asked, is America open and welcoming to Hispanics like you? And I found out that it's overwhelmingly Hispanic voters think America is open and welcoming to Hispanics like them. It's just a tiny percent. I mean, it's like 10 percent who don't think so. Right. Those are voting Democratic, by the way. Sure, of course. And I think. Hispanics are not receiving well this sort of down on America. America's a troubled place with a troubled past. It's not very happy here. Probably better off in Canada or some other place. So Hispanics are like, they're looking around like, you know, this is a pretty wonderful place. I'm doing pretty well here. My son's going to college and my father didn't even graduate from high school. So I'm really wanting a politician who's going to wave American flag. Talk about how great it is here. And I think just like some other groups, the Hispanics in Washington, the groups that purport to represent Hispanics are doing a poor service. Interesting. And not reflecting actually what their ostensible constituents think. Right, right. Right. The Hispanic groups in Washington have this sort of poor me, America's not so great, let's clean up America. Right. And that is not where the voters are. And I think Democrats could win that group back just like they could win back parts of the white working class. But they've got to start being a little happier about America and maybe admit that America is a great place. Everyone wants to move here, but maybe not everyone can. And we need to protect the citizens of this country more than just random people who just show up at our southern border and want to march across. Right. But. If Democrats don't wise up, what we're seeing in the polling is that a lot more Hispanics agree with Republican-like positions on immigration than are voting Republican. Interesting. So I think that's probably true about some other things as well. And as people sort of true up their vote to their actual positions, that's going to have a tendency to bring more Hispanics over in voting Republican and maybe a majority and maybe in the, in the next 10 years. Interesting. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, our guest has been Jim Robb from Numbers USA, which is an immigration restriction group. But the book he's published is not strictly about immigration. There's a significant immigration element to it. The book is called Political Migrants, Hispanic Voters on the Move. This is a topic other people are going to be writing about. Are you preparing a second edition with some of these post-election results? I am. Okay, interesting. And it's available 
on all the usual online places. Yes, Is that that's correct. Right. Okay, good. So maybe um, after the next election, depending on how things work out, we'll have you back if there's a 2024 version of the uh, book as well. So thanks for coming in. Again, it's Jim Robbs, the author of Political Migrants, Hispanic Voters on the Move. Thanks, Mark. And finally, there was some news this week, different from the news we'd expected. Title 42 was supposed to be ending on Wednesday the 21st, according to an order from federal judge. That order was appealed and the circuit court denied the appeal, but an emergency request from a whole bunch of states to the Supreme Court this week caused Chief Justice Roberts to temporarily suspend the end of Title 42. In other words, keep it in place. Again, just temporarily. There was no ruling on this. It was just a matter of basically tapping on the brakes because ending Title 42 will have such enormous effects. I think the Chief Justice figured it would be you know, worth at least waiting a few days, putting the end of Title 42 on hold. In other words, keeping it in place so that the court could look at the issues. But the fact is, Title 42 is going to end. It's a public health measure that made sense early on in COVID. The point of it was to not have lots of illegal aliens in detention centers giving each other COVID and infecting Border Patrol agents and what have you. But the pandemic is over. There's no rationale for it anymore. The Biden administration kept it in place among all the other Trump immigration measures that it had ended. And their thinking was it would allow them to create a kind of soft landing, that it would be a tool they could use to prevent the rollback of every other immigration policy from leading to things spinning out of control. Well, of course, that didn't work. And they've been using Title 42 on a smaller and smaller share of the border jumpers that get arrested. And in a separate lawsuit, the administration is trying to end Title 42. So, I mean, it's not quite as crazy as it sounds as a legal reasons that these are two different lawsuits, but it is kind of schizophrenic that the administration is in court both trying to end Title 42 and trying to continue Title 42. Fact is, it's going to end at some point. It may be By the time you're listening to this, it could already have been lifted, or it may not be till January or something. It'll be, it's going to end at some point. The question is, what is this administration going to do when essentially everybody who comes across the border is going to make the same kind of claim and uh, be let go into the United States? So the administration is going to have to decide whether they're going to go back to actually enforcing the border and deporting people, or whether they're going to go the route that a memo they released recently suggests they will about how they're going to respond to the end of Title 42, which seems to be that they're just going to spend more money processing people even more quickly into the United States. In other words, the administration seems to think the problem at the border is too many people backing up. In other words, it's kind of a management problem that, you know, when they let people go in El Paso, for instance, there's so many of them, they end up sleeping on the streets because many of them don't have relatives to buy them bus tickets to have somewhere to go, that kind of thing. In other words, they see it as a process problem. 
And the solution is just spend more money and give more money to nonprofit groups so they can get people dispersed into the United States more quickly. In fact, the real problem, of course, is that this administration is subverting the numerical limits that Congress has enacted. They're using the pretense of asylum and parole as a way of implementing or effecting unlimited immigration, which is what this administration believes in. And that's not going to wash. In discussing this issue going forward, it seems to me that critics of the administration need to boil down the issue to the real question, which is, do we enforce limits on immigration or don't we? Because all the rest of it, the humanitarian problems, which are real, the impact it has on the Border Patrol agents and on the local communities, these are all real issues. But they are what in philosophy they called epiphenomena. They are the consequences of the basic underlying problem, underlying disagreement, which is that the law says there are limits on immigration and the job of the president is to enforce those rules. And the president doesn't believe those limits are legitimate. He believes them to be morally illegitimate, like Jim Crow laws, and the people running immigration in this administration see themselves as heroic for subverting immigration law because they see immigration law as illegitimate in itself. And so that's the issue that needs to be debated, not the kind of ancillary, even though important issues, like the effects on these local border communities. If that's the debate we actually can get down to, then maybe we can have some progress and some substantive discussion about what we're supposed to do going forward. But until we get first principles resolved, the rest of it is just going to be a lot of sound and fury. That's it for this episode. I wish everybody a Merry Christmas. I'm Armenian, so Christmas in the Armenian church is until January 6th, so I'll wish you a Merry Christmas again then. But for those of you who celebrate on December 25th. Merry Christmas, and we will have another episode actually before the end of the new year. Next week, we'll be back. We're not taking a vacation. But in the meantime, I hope everyone has a good Christmas. <laughs>